Mueller and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's a little show we call the Steelers Blitz. You know the drill. Decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair between the two of us. But the rest is up to you to figure out what you should know by now. If you want to get involved, we'll take your questions, your comments. I'm certain You've got plenty of concerns and reactions after yesterday. You can get involved with us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Well, Arthur Motes. This is interesting. <laughs> that one was a little surprising. You know, normally this is the part where I ask you, how's it going and how's the weekend? And maybe we'll talk about Thanksgiving. And, and I would say stuff. something like, it's a victor. Oh. Well. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, now, mm. three straight weeks, Arthur Motes, mm. uh, no victories for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Of course, one of those was a tie. So it's, that's not a loss. That but, was kind of like but a half you know a victory. What? It's funny. I was thinking about that driving in today. A half lot of victory. people, you know, sarcastically, I know you were kind of joking around too, mm-hmm. after the Lions tie, hey, it's four weeks unbeaten. Four weeks unbeaten, man. Four weeks unbeaten. Yeah. Well, now Arthur Motes, they're three yeah. weeks winless. Yeah. That's working the other way now, too. Uh, what's, let's start here. What surprised you most about, about yesterday? Um, <clears throat> just the inability to have an answer hmm. to anything. Now, granted, I don't. The, the reason why it's hard for me to say what I was surprised about is because a lot of the issues that showed up yesterday, man, they've been showing up. All they season. were just magnified yesterday. They've been showing up yeah. since a year ago. Stopping the run, pass defense, O-line protecting, turnovers, bid, lack of running game, lack of intent to even try to run the game. These aren't new issues. We've been seeing these issues. I mean, we can date games this season where we've won in spite of these issues, and we can show games where we lost because of these issues. But either way, these issues have always been there. We just, you know, push it under the rug. Kind of like your analogy, we talk about cleaning the room. All right, sometimes we push it under the rug. Other times we're going to put it in the closet. Other times yep. we're going to put it under the bed. But eventually you're going to play a team that is good enough to make you have to address those issues. And yesterday, similar to what we saw last week with the Chargers, they were good enough to expose us in that sense. Now, those teams are still flawed in their own right, and that's why both of those games kind of went the way that they did in terms of you get one team playing really good on all phases, and that's why I got out of hand, whereas the other team kind of played good, but then their defense turns to the Chargers a week ago was a little inconsistent in why we were able to score on them. But as a whole, 
none of these issues are new. I don't think nope. we can sit here and definitively say, man, I was so surprised to see us give up pressure on, on you know, give up pressure to that Bengals line. If you were, you, I mean, you're kidding yourself. I was so surprised yeah. to see James Pierre struggling in coverage on T. Higgins. I was so surprised to see us our lack of ability to stop the run after we gave up 200-plus yards on the ground at Detroit Lions. I mean, like, we, we can go down that list, but for me, nothing happened yesterday that we haven't been talking about. I think that's well said by you. I, man, I think I felt that at some point the defense had to stop the bleeding, you know? You mentioned the Lions game. I mean, that's where it really started. I actually put this down in my notes. Ah, I came prepared today. Uh, rush yards allowed over the last three games. Mm-hmm. Detroit, 229. Chargers, 159. Mm-hmm. Bengals, 198. You know, Motsi, I was confident that they were going to be able to at least stop the bleeding or at least slow down the bleeding, you know, with some reinforcements in the health department. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. And that 198 number from the Bengals looms large. And honestly, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. They took their foot off the gas in a way, too, Cincinnati. They took out every starter. Yes. This so that the, number could have been NFL. much worse. They took out every starter for that pretty much a whole quarter. Could have been, <laughs> been much worse, that yeah, number. Yeah. Um, that, to me, look, even in the wake of what you and I both agreed, and I think most people agreed, was this team's best offensive performance of the season – last week against uh, against the Chargers. We talked about how progression isn't linear. Mm-hmm. Like, just because the offense started to figure it out and they had their best week of the season didn't necessarily mean that that was going to continue. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. One step forward, three steps back. Five steps forward, two steps back. That's just how progression works. I expected the offense to have another game like this where they really struggled. I did not expect them to not be able to run the football like they did. <laughs> Even against the Cincinnati defense, it was good against the run coming into this game. Fourth best numbers in the league going into yesterday. And I got to imagine that performance yesterday probably helped them in that regard, too. Um, but man, it just any, I think any possible things that we had to hang our hat on that had happened through the tie and the loss to, to the Lions and the Chargers, and anything possible we had to hang our hat on in terms of the defense with finally, you know, getting some reinforcements back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that optimism was shot before the first quarter was even over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at times it just looked like they wanted to be more physical on both sides of the ball than us. Um, that was the the unfortunate part. I think I, yes. I think if I had to say surprised, I would throw that in there because I did think that based on how the last game between these two went and the comments that were made after the game, uh-huh. that, you know, the guys would be upset about that. Sure. We knew, you know, Coach Tomlin, he talked about how significant this matchup would be, not just because of the division opponent, but for also playoff ramifications. I mean, he even spoke of it like it was a pseudo-playoff game. And that's rare for Mike Tomlin. Absolutely. So you knew that the team would be ready to show up, or at least in theory they should be prepared to play it, or at least match physicality. And for me, it was one of those things that if Joe Burrow came out here and threw for 300 yards and it was the T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd show. And you lost by four I'm because Cincinnati had the ball that. last. I'm completely fine yeah. with that. But when you talk about one of our strengths, you would think it's the front seven. When you talk about reinforcements, man, we had TJ back, Alex back. Like all these different names were back in the fold. And they didn't beat us because of their throwing ability. Nope. 
they beat us because they could run that ball and there was zero that we could do to stop it. And at times it was like, did you want to stop it or did you actually enjoy what was happening out there? That's that to me <laughs> you was and I, very surprising. Yeah, man. You and I have talked a lot. There's a lot of people that that you know that do what you and I do. Um that that did not that do not have the, the decade of NFL experience like you do. There's a lot of people that sit in these chairs, um, that sit behind TV cameras, that that write in their columns or on their laptops or computers or whatever, and they throw around that term soft all the time. That's my thing. I'm just like, yo, and, stop. And you and I have talked for four years. I mean, this is our fourth season doing a show together about how we always hate that. When mm-hmm. when someone <laughs> sitting in a studio or sitting behind their computer calls an NFL athlete, particularly one who plays in the trenches, mm-hmm. soft, it's like, all right, yeah, that you go you go down there to practice and you go down there on game day and, and you tell them they're soft. Like, Most, yeah, for me, go ahead, go ahead. I go was ahead. just going to say, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. I, I have seen that, obviously, again, yeah. in the last you know 12 hours or so, 18 hours or so. But it, it did look like kind of what you there, – there was just – there was no desire. There was no want to there. Uh, it, like, it, was, it wasn't even like they were – like, I wouldn't – I don't even think that that's the right way if you're somebody who likes to throw that around. They just looked like they were disinterested. That's mm-hmm. the word maybe that I would go to, and I that's mm-hmm. just as concerning. Yeah, 100%. That's concerning, man, because <clears throat> however you slice it, they weren't physical enough. And that's the part, man. I'm like, we can always criticize their physicality. Softness to me is more so man-to-man. That's more your question of who I am as a person if I will defend myself. Soft, I think when we say soft, you take away the football pads, and now we're just talking man-to-man, mano-a-mano. We could really find out who is more soft. <laughs> That's the only reason why I don't like when yes. people go the soft, especially when you see the people who are saying that somebody is soft. It's like, okay, if we strip away all the padding, all the helmets, and y'all two are locked in a room, who's going to make it out of there? Martha Motes, I'm 5'10, 150 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's all. I know yeah. I don't need to be calling anybody soft. Yeah. We could critique <laughs> their physicality. I mean, 100%, we could talk about them having a lack of you know, interest in being physical, but soft, yes. totally different Agre- conversation. Totally I, different I agree conversation. with you on that. But I, and I, I still think, though, like, but I it said, wasn't, yeah. Like, that is, and again, for every reason that you just laid out, it, it, it felt like a real make or break. This two week stretch here, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with Cincinnati on the road and then Baltimore at home, two division foes. Felt like a real make-or-break turning point in the season as the calendar turns to December, and we know that's when you really want to be hitting your stride. We always talk about Thanksgiving time is when you want to start playing your best football. Combined with the messaging from Mike Tomlin this past week that was very clear that, hey, this is an important game. That's not something we hear Mike Tomlin do very often, particularly in November. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he doesn't downplay the importance of games, but he certainly doesn't directly address how important a game is like he did on Tuesday, made no mistake about that well, against I'll Cincinnati. Say this, he won't do it publicly. Uh, uh, Behind correct, closed doors, correct, 100% correct. he'll do it, yes, but he's not yes. going to do that publicly. Yes. Yeah. But he made no mistake about doing that this week. So that's the second thing, right? So you've got the division outlook, you've got the messaging from the coach, and then you've got what you just brought up. The Cincinnati team that, I mean, let's face it, they had fun when they came here to Heinz Field mm-hmm. week three. And, and beat the Steelers, and Mike Hilton was waving to the crowd, and Mr. H2P, that's mm-hmm. y'all's boy, not mine, was, you know, talking about the Steelers being whatever he said. He didn't call them soft, did so he? they quit. He said they yeah, quit. That's they right. quit on Coast T, yeah. You combine those three things, all right? The division outlook and being a very critical stretch of the season, your coach playing up how important this was to the media and to the fans, and the fact that dudes on the other team were clowning you in your own arena just a couple weeks ago, 
that all to me adds up to being very surprised with what seemed like a, a lack of intensity, a lack of desire, and like you said, a, a lack of physicality, that that element is always there when these two teams yeah. play. I mean, always. Always. That's one of the staples of this matchup. Steelers-Bengals, what do you expect? Do you expect yeah, a couple man. face masks to get A couple face masks. Somebody's face is going to get knocked off. Like, that's what, somebody yeah. got to go to sleep. And the only time yeah. we saw that was from Chase Claypool when we were down 38 points. Yeah. Not that I was perturbed hmm. by that at all. Oh, oh I, I, I couldn't imagine what would set you off. That's a very that's a very minor hiccup in the grand scheme of everything that happened yesterday. But it's just it's just insult to injury. Though. Insult to injury. Yes, absolutely. Man. Very good way to put it. And, and that's I think when you're a fan and you've kind of watched your team go through the motions for two hours, two mm-hmm. and a half hours, and then something like that happens, it, it annoys you even more. It's like where's where's that been since you stepped off the bus? Right. Um, like just act like y'all want to. Match it, you know what I mean? Like they just don't, don't look, they because never looked like they wanted to match that type of physicality, that type of intensity. Cincinnati man. was ready. Yeah, the mindset that I thought we would have, it looked like Cincinnati had that. Where as soon as they came Back in, they're the like, wall, you know what time have it to is. Win like, this game. yeah, and that, like I said, it's just frustrated, man. But the other part that grew from frustration to almost being disheartened a little bit was when I asked myself, do I think anything is going to change? Do I think, Ooh. whether it's personnel-wise or— That's what I was just going like, to say. Like, what and, type and, of change? Well, it could be personnel, coaching-wise, but do I think any change is going to equate to victories, to a significant run this season? Less about next season. I'm talking about this season because technically right now we're still in the mix. We still control Six our destiny. Six weeks left. Still control our destiny. We still play everybody that we need to play. But that's my thing. I'm like, I get the, the, the crowd that's all for change, but I'm not changed for the sake of change. Correct. I, I'm with you on that. But that's the disheartening part. I'm saying to myself, well, who, who when we start going down, because we're, we're going to go down that list of who will we make changes with sure, and things like sure. that. But at the end of it, I just want us to remember, when we're done with that exercise, do we really feel like any of that is going to equate to more victories or better performances than what we just saw yesterday? Well, that's the thing that I want to know. The big change, you know, of course, and this is – this is not, you know, exclusive to Pittsburgh. Every fan base does this, not just Steelers fans. But but you know already, again, in the last 12 hours, 18 hours, however long exactly that it's been, 21 hours, I guess, since kickoff or since the, the game ended, Keith Butler and Matt Canada are the big two. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how it always is. There's always, the, there's right, always right. the Mike Tomlin crowd, but I think even more so Keith Butler and Matt Canada, mm-hmm. even if those people are absolutely right, nothing's changing in that regard right now. Well, no, no, no. Even if you did remove them, is that going to make us tackle better? No. Is that going to make us block better? No. Is that going to make us be more consistent catchers of the football? Is that going to make us win more 50-50 balls? Is that going to help us equate to more splash? Splash. That's all I ask. I would say no. Because you know for me. No, no, When we talk coordinators, I always look scheme, big picture. Are we getting blown coverages? Are guys wide and wide running wide open? I don't remember a lot of wide-open guys yesterday, personally. I remember a lot of us getting just physically out manned. I remember T. A Higgins. Of, a lot of Mawson Mawson, out there. yeah. But, but to me, when I think of coordinator, I think of, man, the defense just looks flawed. The defense, there's nobody in position. That's what I think of. I never got that feeling yesterday. I just got the feeling that they were more man than we were. Same could be said on offense. I thought we had some 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 people out there. Now, we're going to talk about some of the throws. We're going to talk about some of the routes, some of the separation. We can go there as sure, well. Sure. But to me, I just think that's the difference. Like, when I think of coordinators, I think of an office. If I'm watching it, it's just the same two runs and a throw. 
You know what I mean? Like right. that that's coordinator. If I say, oh man, we're everything is louder, everything is louder. That's coordinator. I personally don't get that vibe when I watch this team though. I understand that's the easy thing to do, but then my rebuttal is, okay, how many coordinators are we gonna go through? Because we had Todd Haley, who was a proven really good coordinator. And you saw what he did, his numbers backed that up. But ever since then, first it was Haley, then it was Feigner. Now you're gonna get rid of Canada. I mean, eventually you're going to have to say, what's the common denominator with all these things? That's quarterback. Now, we know when Ben was with Haley, he was younger in his prime, and he looked good, and it was a perfect relationship. But right now, something's got to give, and we can't just keep firing coordinators. Because I just don't think that that's the way to go with this thing. No, especially not right now. Especially not in the next six I'm just saying that's in response to the people that continue to put it on coordinators. It's like a lot of people out there working for Matt Canada to take the LSU job right Right. now and just walk away. And I'm just like, okay, we we keep saying that, but the one comment is what it is right now. You know what I mean? So that's my only thing with that. Now, are there other ways we can fix the offense? One hundred percent, but I don't think it's coordinator related. One hundred percent, the way that people are trying to. Yeah, make it. no, I agree with you on that. And man, fix the offense—that's a loaded term. I feel like we could spend a whole week on that one. But I listen. I understand that that is what we do. I do the same thing. When when teams lose, a lot of times our first reaction goes right to the coaching. Well, what about this decision? What about that decision? Well, this has been an issue for six weeks and it hasn't improved. That must be the coaching. Like. I understand all of that, but I think when you have a game that played out like it did yesterday, everyone's culpable. One hundred percent. Everyone yeah. has to take a bite of that stink sandwich, like whatever analogy you want to use. Face the music, whatever. Share in the blame. Everyone's culpable from the coaching staff, offense, defense, offensive line, <laughs> linebackers, quarterback, wide receivers, defensive backs. Special teams as well, too, which weren't great yesterday, even yeah. though, again, that's kind of a footnote in the in the story of the whole thing, but it's still part of the equation. That, I think, sometimes we can just fall back on it is always – it's always coaching, it's always coaching, it's always coaching, it's always coaching. That is, I think, just too simple for what happened mm-hmm. yesterday. It was, it was top to bottom not good enough. And I understand that at the top of that is the coaches, and, and that's where you want to start, but – Motsi, I think they could have had Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, mm-hmm. and Dick LeBeau coaching yesterday, and mm-hmm. it might not have made a difference. That's the sentiment that I'm getting at. And at some point, you got to point the finger at the people that are on the field. I 100% <laughs> agree with you, especially when, let's not kid ourselves, we talk about this all the time. Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, we love the crap out of these guys. We talk about all the time mm-hmm. about how they're studs, right? Yeah. DJ Watt, Cam uh, Cam Hayward, Defensive Player of the Year candidates, right? Mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick, best center fielder in football, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, y- at some point, I'm with you. Like there is, there's a reason why when you get to the league, mm-hmm. Cam Hayward's making more money than any of his coaches are. Mm-hmm. Joe Sho- <laughs> Joe Schobert, exactly, like other than Mike Tomlin, man. Joe Schobert's probably making more money than any of his coaches are. Yep. The, I I can only. The onus is I on can the players, only give man. so much of the onus there. Again, I'm not sitting here and acting like the coaches are not at fault and it was a perfect game plan and the players just did nothing like that. But it My is. My thing is, we've seen bad game plans. We have seen bad game plans. Like when we, you could you, argue they had one in LA. You could argue they had one in Detroit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like we we can talk game plans. This wasn't like a I game. Said, they could have the greatest game plan <laughs> ever yesterday. I think they would have yeah. still lost by double digits. Yeah. 
And, and you know what? That's part of this, too. We never want to do this, and I can already tell this will probably get me some angry tweets, but whatever. Ooh, don't you do it. You guys know what, don't what, you we, do you it. Guys know what we say. Ooh, Twitter's not a real place. Ooh, don't you do it. This is Steelers Nation Radio. We are Steelers fans. We are Steelers hosts. One of us is a former Steeler. The other one grew up in this town rooting for the team. Oh, you going to do it. Everything we do is Steeler-centric. Oh, no, he's doing it. We're focused on the Steelers. Now what? Where do we go from here? How do we get better? What does this all mean? But let's not lie to ourselves and act, too, like the Bengals aren't a good football team. The Bengals are a good football team. And you know what? Right now, if you made me bet, if I was a gambling man, huh, I'd pick the Bengals to win the division. Did you watch the Ravens and the Browns play last night? Yeah. So that's not an excuse for any the, the, the lack of effort, the inability to tackle and block and do rudimentary football fundamentals. It's not an excuse for any of that. Uh, Bengals are a good football team. It, 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 it's, it, it, was, it was a top-to-bottom disaster yesterday for the Steelers when you have that type of performance against that type of team, yeah. and it's when you end up losing by 38 points. No, 100%, man. And the Bengals, like you said, they are a good team, but they still have their flaws as oh, well. Oh, yeah. That's I said the, they were a great team. That That's the funny part. It's like all of these teams, man, are very, very vulnerable. We just seem to have – the best record in the AFC right, right now. But we just seem to have, of all the teams with glaring issues, ours seem to glare a little bit more. <laughs> you know? It's like the glare yeah. of the sun off the snow – on a morning when you're right. driving behind the wheel of the car. It's like it just like hit a little different. The, hill, yeah, the sun's man. blaring off the snow. It just hit a little different. Because cool. even even Baltimore, like, part of me, I want to get excited about it because I'm like, oh, yeah, man. They're O-line. They're going to struggle against our pass rushes. But I hate to say it, our O-line is worse than their O-line. And they happen to have two passers as well. Your boy Jason, your boy, uh, Jason Owe looks like, like Lawrence Taylor. Like, he, he, he done growing up. Him, Houston, not even them two. Tyus Bowser's is the one that surprised me. I'm like, bruh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew Judon's off having a career year, and they're like, hey, we're cool. Yeah, so that's the other side where I'm just like, mm, I can't even be too optimistic about this and the Lamar matchup or how bad they look on offense when I see how bad we've been playing, offensively and defensively. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to stop the run. Like, <laughs> okay, so That's I, what it boils down to. Yeah, we got to stop let, the run defensively. You ready for this? Holy cow. I told you, rush yards allowed over the last three games. Lions, 229. Chargers, 159. Bengals, 198. It's the first time the Steelers... And that could have easily been over 200 if they kept the dog in. It's the first... Think about that. Easily. They took the dog out. Easily. Mm-hmm. First time the Steelers have allowed over 150 yards rushing in three straight games since 1983. Man. Yeah. I was in that for three straight. Three straight. I disrespectful. Can't do three. Yeah. The Bengals have beaten the Steelers. Speaking of three, I, I got some numbers for you, Moe. I, I, rever- I reverted to my old ways last night. Yeah. You know, I stayed up. I crunched all the numbers. I did all the research. Yeah, we three in a row now, man. Last three games that we played the Bengals, all Cincinnati victories. Mm-hmm. Combined score of 92 to 37. And multiple turnovers in every game, too. Two picks this game, two picks last game. Uh, the other one we had a pick as well. Yeah. You want some uh, more gut punches? Last two games, L.A., Cincinnati, Steelers defense has given up 903 yards combined. Mm-hmm. Now, you should do the one where uh, not just the points, but, you know, everybody brings up we started out 11-0 last year. Because, you know, we started out 11-0 last year. Yeah, what's the Steelers' record since then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know what? 
I actually do. Six, ten, and one. That's what they're saying right now, man. Yeesh. It's, it's not good. What, what do you say? Yahtzee. <laughs> no, Yahtzee's like when something good happens. It's something good in a non-good way. Like if the Steelers were to go this, rip off You know off why this is good, though? You know, run, you know why this is good, though? This is good because we have to identify it. We have to chew on it. We have oh, to yeah. face it. And I do think There's that no ignoring it part of the issues that we've had are that we continue to create excuses versus just facing it. I do think that even with the Devin Bush situation, right, because going into this game, there was a lot of scrutiny around him. Uh, do you keep him out there? What's that dynamic like? I do think that the team put his face in it a little bit where they had Spillane being out there a lot more early on in the game. Now, he got hurt, and it made it revert back to Devin being back out there. But that was one of those cases where I was like, man, okay, they're, 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 they're trying to – make an emphasis here to show you that, hey, this isn't acceptable. Now, this week going forward, it'll be interesting to see who else they do that to, guys that have been starting this season offensively, defensively, that, you know, play hasn't been up to snuff. I could see them doing that again. But it was at least good to see them say, hey, we aren't – this isn't this isn't okay. The standard has not been the standard here. But I think it's going to have to be more of that yes. to get us out of where we are. I, I agree with you. And you and I talked about that a lot in the offseason leading up to this year about how we know the Steelers The Steelers never punt on a season. The Steelers mm-hmm. never give up on a season. They want to contend for the playoffs. They want to contend for the division. They want to go to the playoffs. They want to win playoff games, AFC yep. Championship games, Super Bowl. Every year, that is the, the pyramid. That is the goal. But how it also kind of seemed like this year was a evaluation period as well, too. A lot of the offensive linemen, some of the veteran aging guys on defense, if they should be given contracts or not. What's going on in the secondary? Um, what do you have in, in in all these rookies? The offensive linemen, obviously. You know, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth as well, too. And, and Mo says, we're thinking about this and we're talking about this and these things all come together. Like, the Steelers also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong over the, uh, about this, over the last two years, I believe, every coach on the coaching staff, except for Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler, has changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe Eddie Faulkner? Is he the only one? And Hilliard, maybe. Okay, but but there has been substantial been change changes, to the yeah. coaching staff over the changes. last two years. Absolutely. They, like, the Steelers are, while they are not acknowledging it in the sense of, like, they're never going to publicly try and right. lose more games. Like, they're always going to try and put the best product out on the field. But I think in, in some of these things, Motes, like, we have seen they're – they're starting to try and retool this thing. They really are. It's just it, it's it's tough. It's a to, process, though. It's tough to do that on the fly and still win games and still it, be competitive. Yeah, still be competitive. It, it is it is a process. They're going to have more cap space than they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, barring some unforeseen finish here in the last six games, they're going to have a better better draft picks than whoa the position whoa whoa. What you mean better draft? Pick? Have well, what? I guess since they traded up. For number 10, Devin Bush. And my goodness, I can't believe we've gone 27 minutes here already, and that's the first time we mentioned Devin Bush's name. That's just Some people might say that's how much very fitting, to get to. though. They would say that's fitting because of the game. <sighs> I just, man. Well, you, ta- you mentioned that, too, and that's been sticking with me this whole segment. How, like, Mike Tomlin basically stressed this as a, a pseudo-playoff game. That's what he did. The whole week. And that's how the team came out. That's how the team responded. They responded by laying an egg. It, it, it's embarrassing, man. It really is because this team is not that bad. No. Like, we've we've got on them. We've criticized them. But they're not 
what we saw yesterday. But it's just like because the margin of error is so small, if they aren't playing with great effort, if they're not being fundamentally sound, if they're not protecting the ball on offense and they're not creating enough turnovers and, you know, making it uneasy to just run the ball or drop back and pass, like that's what this team is going to look like because they don't have an overabundance of talent like it was in the past. Correct. Like the Jimmys and Joes yeah. are, are, are not like all it pros. used to be a time where you could just walk in and say, well, look, man, worst case, we know we got these guys and they don't have these guys to match up. Yep. That's not the case anymore. The, the, the talent gap has shrunk a lot. And some might even say that other teams have surpassed us in that talent gap. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Chris Adamski uh, covers the Steelers. Yeah, for the trip. familiar. Yep. My fellow Mars High School graduate, Chris I Adamski. I did not know that. You know, I mean, he was few decades before me. But oh, you know, I was going to say, y'all kind of like the same age. He, he tweeted this out last night, and I put this in my notes. Bengals' first 33 plays on offense. Mm-hmm. One mix and stop for no gain. Mm-hmm. One incompletion. One sack. Okay? Yeah. The yeah. other 30 uh-huh. all resulted in a touchdown or at least a gain of three yards. Yeah. Bro, I that's mean, about right, bro. Geez. That's about right, bro. I just kept thinking to myself, man, I was like, because obviously I had watched the Raiders Bengals game and how that ended. I'm like, man, that first I was like, yo, they haven't not scored since the first half of last week. Like, think about it. Bro, they scored like four times in a row to end the game last week. And then they come in and score the first three times with us. I'm like, yo, what are we doing? I'm like, either the Bengals have found the the, the offensive cheat code or, or something is not right right now, man. Maybe a little bit of both. It's probably a little bit of both. We'll go into the classroom when we come back here on the other side. Professor Motes mm-hmm. will lay it down, the good, the bad, and the ugly from yesterday. Can't imagine there's much good, but we'll see what the professor has for us. Make sure you bring your notebooks when we return. We'll continue to take your tweets. We'll get to some of your reaction in the next segment as well. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.